Here we go. At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Glad you are visiting us this morning here online, either through Facebook or either through uh, YouTube. We, uh, I'm Dion Boldy. I'm the lead pastor of Bowie City Church, and we're here at First Christian Church. And we're going to be doing things a little different because we're getting ready for the first Sunday to have people back in this building, First Christian and Bowie City Church together. So we got mics, two mics set up. We got the worship team here together. We got live stream. We got the soundboard. Uh, we're just excited to actually come together come Palm Sunday, where we get to celebrate the triumphal entry that Jesus did uh, in Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago. And so you're going to see some test runs. We're going to do worship song live as we're figuring out the sound. So we ask for some grace as we're trying out new systems and things that way. Uh, let us know in the chat if things aren't going well, but don't like give us grace, like be gentle uh, to us as we figure things out. But we also want you to, to share out the the live stream, either on Facebook or on YouTube, to share that you're watching. Invite people to church. Um, we're only going to be at 50% capacity on Sunday, uh, next Sunday, so everybody can't come that would love to come. Um, but this is a way to do it. Share out. So just hit the share button. Let everyone know that you're worshiping together with us um, via social media, via YouTube here at First Christian. Uh, so we're excited to get into the sermon. We're excited to do some live worship this morning. I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, the worship team, we're going to uh, lift this song and worship. And if you know the song, we ask you just to sing along at home. The words will be on the screen. Uh, just sing along and, and give your worship to the Lord. So let's pray this morning. God, we thank you. We thank you for how good you are, how great you are, Lord. And God, we thank you that you are meeting us here through the pandemic, through being separated, that you are here with us. 
And God, as we lift our hearts to you, as we lift our worship to you, that it would be not just empty words, that it would be words that are full from our hearts, that God, that you would change us from the inside out. God, we worship you this morning. We look forward for you meeting us here. We thank you that we're looking forward to Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday where we get to be together again, God. But until then, we worship you in spirit and truth. We give this time to you. We pray for all the things, the technical things, uh, all the volunteers that are making this work. Thank you for them, Lord. Let you be honored this morning. That's all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
Lord, that we can come together. It's another step closer to coming together Amen. to call on your name, Father God, and worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord, all Amen. together as one, as one church of the way you had intended, God. Amen. Lord, I just lift this sermon up to you. I lift Dion up to you, God. I just praise you for just your love and how it's been rained down this past year, God. Amen. And, um, Lord, I just pray that you just open our hearts and our ears to what you have to say to us today, God. And that we feel you um, in our hearts, God, as, as you speak to us, Lord. And help us to use those in our everyday life, God. Amen. To make sure that we actually use your word, not just hear it and say, yeah, that's good. But, mm. Lord, to be reminded each day of your love mm. and your sacrifice, Lord, so that we can go out mm. and, and be Christ to other people, God. And I just lift all these things to you, Lord. Amen. Amen. He walked right next to us, but we couldn't see him. Can you believe it? He was actually the one that we were looking for and hoping for, but we couldn't see him. We thought he came to redeem us from Rome, but we were so wrong. He didn't meet our expectations because our expectations were too small. We could not see him because our hurt, because of our pain, it blinded us. The doubt, the disappointment, the discouragement was too much for us to bear. But the one walking with us began to help us see. He opened the scriptures and taught us and revealed that he was the one who bought us. We invited the stranger into our home and our hearts began to burn within. He took bread and blessed it. We were blessed because finally we could see the resurrected blessed one. He's the one that rose from the dead. And right in that moment, even though he disappeared from our sight, we could finally see him more clearly.
Awesome, awesome, awesome. So good to have live worship once again, and we're working things out. I've just told I can't be when breathing. I got to figure. So I'm learning too. So if you heard me breathing, that's that's my bad. I, I've turned my mic on too soon. But man, I'm just, just excited to get that one step closer to uh, having church in person and getting some familiarity back to our worship experience. So I can't wait for next week. It is important for you. If you are planning to come, please hear me. We're going to say at the end of the service as well. If you're planning to come next week, we ask that you would let us know. So go to uh, your email, go to hello at buoycitychurch.com and just tell us how many are coming. Say the blank family, the John Doe family, four people then we know that you're coming. To have a rough number of how many you plan to come because we no longer have to take attendance kind of well or pre-check-in, but we'd like to have some kind of idea how many people are coming. Uh, so let us know. That'd be great. Some of you took the survey. That was awesome saying, if we did open church, would you come? But now we're saying, are you coming? So we can have a good barometer of how we space out people and do things the way we're supposed to when it comes to social distancing and wearing your mask. Again, we'll say this again at the end of the service, uh, but be do, make sure you do that. Hello at Bowie City Church. Let us know how many people are coming from your family on Palm Sunday. If it's just you, just say one. If it's 10, then 10. But let us know. Um, that way we can have a good number. If you don't feel comfortable with coming, that's okay. Stay home. We still will have the service live stream to you on Facebook and also on YouTube. So we are in the middle of a series entitled Jesus Is. And hopefully you've caught the last two sermons. If not, Go back to our, our archives, either at, on the YouTube channel or also on our Facebook channel, and watch the two sermons. But we are continuing the series, so hopefully you're ready to hear uh, who Jesus is in your life and why is he important, why should he be important in your life. I'll tell you a little story. There was a businessman who was late for uh, an appointment that he had at work, a very important meeting, and he was running late. So he's driving to the office, and as he gets there, he cannot find a parking spot. He's in a, in a high tower or high-rise building, and so he is circling the parking lot. He's circling the block. He cannot find a place to park, and he is running late for this important meeting. And so he says, man, I decided, uh, he's like, I need to pray. Like, I just need to pray. I need to find a parking spot. So he's, he says, God, I need a parking spot desperately, like desperately, God, like right now. I need a parking spot. God, if you give me a parking spot, I will, I will go to church. God, I will I'll stop cursing and I'll, I'll start giving the way you want me to give. God, if you just like give me a parking spot, I need one uh, really bad. And as he finishes prayer, miraculously, a parking spot opens up and he as he turns in the parking spot, he looks up to heaven, and says, never mind, God, I got one. I found it. That's kind of how we do. Right. We we go to God and pray and say, God, I need it, need it, need it. And then when something happens, you're like, oh, God, I did it. Thanks, God. Never mind. I'm good now. And we do that often in our life. We have these problems, we have these issues, and we go to God, and then we're like, God, please, God, please. And you need someone to come in and take care of your problem. And then as your problem's being fixed or you see a way out, you say, never mind, God, I got it. I can take over now. You're cool. Like, sit back. God, I need a hookup. I need you to hook me up. Really? God, I please come through. And then something starts making a way. You're like, never mind, God, I found my way. And God's like, what? I'm the one who makes this all happen, all work. But a lot of times we internalize and think that we made it work. A lot of times when we find ourselves in problems, we try to solve our own problems instead of going to somebody who can solve and help our problems become less and less. And then we do, sometimes we take the own credit. 
when I was thinking about this sermon and getting ready to preach this, I had a story come to my mind of times where you found yourself in trouble, and as you're trying to make your trouble not be as bad, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Instead of stopping, you make it worse. Uh, and so this story, just, just go with me here in your imagination. Think of a 12 to 14 year old boy. Uh, his parents tell him, they start the car and say, hey, meet me in the car. I, I'm going to go to the car. Like, go to the car. I'll, come, I'll be, be there in a couple minutes. So the 12 to 14 year old boy decides not to get in the passenger seat and not to get in the back seat. For whatever reason, decide to get in the driver's seat. And they get in the driver's seat. And for whatever reason, somehow the car goes from park to drive or to neutral or to reverse. And so happens that the driveway that the car is parked in is on a steep incline. And so since this 12 to 14 year old boy has never driven before, the car just starts backing out of the driveway. And this whole, the street that this house is on is also on an incline. So not only does it back out of the driveway, it backs down the street, not just down the street, but like halfway down the street. Miraculously, doesn't hit a car, doesn't run over anybody, no squirrels were injured during this story. Uh, but now this boy finds himself in the middle of the street, not where the car is supposed to be, and his parents are going to come out any second. So the boy decides, I've got, I've got to get this car back, like in the same exact spot. So he starts to drive the car up the street, but as he gets to the driveway, it's a steeper incline. And so as he's trying to get it in the exact same spot, it just keeps drifting back. He's never driven before. He doesn't know how much gas to give and how much to work to break. And so he starts panicking. He's like, I, I got to get this car back. I mean, like it's, the problems are multiplying. The parents going to come any moment. And so in his last attempt to get the car in the exact same spot, he hits the gas a little too much and runs into the garage. And the bricks fall onto the, onto the car. The whole house shakes. And the problem that was a little problem got way, way worse. And I tell you that story because it's a true story. And it involves my family. But I want to let you know there's three of us. And one, I didn't do it. And my older brother didn't do it. So that just leaves the one other brother who ended up driving the parents' car into the drive, into the garage, but making a small problem a greater problem. So shout out to my younger brother for hitting the house with the car. True story. Uh, but that's how a small problem gets into a big problem. Instead of saying, I messed up, I need somebody to come in and intervene, I try to make, take matters to my own hands and things get worse. And they get worse and worse. And that's us for our own lives. We have a problem in our own lives. We have a spiritual condition problem where we need somebody to come in between us and fix our problems. But a lot of times we try to fix our own problems. And God says, knowing this, knowing how fallen, how messed up man is, he says, I need to come and make a plan to put man in right relationship with God. And so in this, who Jesus is, we need to understand that Jesus is our priest. You may not understand that word. We don't really work in a priest household and a priest understanding because we're not Catholic or we're not Episcopalian church or you may have grown up with a priest or a father. So you're like, what does that mean for Jesus to be our priest? And why should that matter to me at all? I'm glad you asked those questions because I know you did. I can see you thinking about him. Jesus is our priest because we need somebody to go in between for us. So let me back up a little bit. Let me back up to give you how this all happened about this priesthood and Jesus being our priest. We go back to the Old Testament a little bit. So backtrack with me to the book of Exodus. It's not going to be on your screen, but just listen to this. 
Book of Exodus, they exit, you know, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. Y'all know the whole story. And they get out of Egypt, they call the Red Sea, whole thing, and then they are in the wilderness. And so God says, look, Israel, they have never had an established way of worshiping me. They've worshiped other gods. They've been in captivity for 400 years. They don't know how to worship me. So God says, all right, we're going to establish a way to have a priest, to have these people be a go-between the people and me. So he chooses the, the tribe of Levi. So the Levites are now the priests of Israel. They are the go-between between the people and God. And that was their whole job. Their whole job was to make worship happen, for there to be ability, for there to be a way for worship to actually happen between them and God. So how that would happen, they would bring, they were told to bring their grain and then bring their animals and they would sacrifice it to God. That was the whole job. So that's a simple, simple form, a simple, simple explanation of priesthood. But to think about it, they were the go-between God and the people. They were to present the people to God. Now, in this simple overview, now that we have that, we need to think about what this enables Jesus to do for us, for Jesus to be our priest. So we're going to be looking at the book of, of uh, Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter 4, you turn to it in your Bible, you turn to it on your screen, um, Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to dive into how does that Old Testament priest apply to us now that we're not Jews, we're not, we're not Hebrew, how does that apply to us today? Why is that even important? Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, it says this. I'm going to read it from my Bible. It says, therefore, now anytime you see therefore, you need to ask what is therefore. I encourage you to go back and read uh, Hebrews chapter 4. But here we go. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I love that passage from scripture. I love it. I ask you, you highlight it, write it, memorize it. But to understand what that fully means, we need to break it down. So in this verse, there are going to be six, six uh, statements about Jesus and him being the priest. So we're going to go through these six statements and how they apply to us and why that is so important to you and what you are going to do with those because of who Jesus is. So the first, not only is Jesus as our priest, but Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus is our great high priest. Now he's like, Dione, you only talked about the priesthood, like the Levites. You're right. I got to give a little bit more context of what this actually means. So I didn't mention that in this group called the Levites, called the priests, that there was one person that was chosen to be the high priest. What does the high priest do? What's the role or responsibility of the high priest? This high priest was known to be his purpose. His main purpose, his main duty was to go before the people on a special day, one day out of the year that he would go before God in his presence. And so this day is called the Day of Atonement. Jewish faith and Hebrew faith, it is called Yom Kippur. You ever heard of that? You probably only realize it when you got out of school. You're like, ah, Yom Kippur, that sounds familiar. We had a day off. 
That's why. Like, it's, it's in the Jewish calendar, and we recognize it as a day off, especially in the school system. So Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, that was done by the high priest. And his job was, to, was laid out in Leviticus 16. It's not going to be on your screen. You can go back and read it yourself. But in Leviticus 16, it tells you what the high priest is supposed to do on Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement. And this is what he's supposed to do. He, his duties were to take two goats, two lambs, or two goats, and he is to sacrifice one of the goats. And to the other goat, he does something totally different. So he takes one goat, sets it aside, and that goat's going to be sacrificed. Okay, The other goat, he takes it, and he's to place all the sins of God's people on this goat. So what he would do, he would take his hands on both sides of the head of the, of the goat, and he would call out, he would cite all the wrongs. This is the day that you did not want to miss church. Like, this is the day that everybody, like, get up, you're getting to church. I don't care what you want to do. We're getting our sins forgiven today. Get up. We're all going to the temple. Like, all, everybody would show up to the tabernacle, and it was, it was like, you can't imagine the event that it was, because this is the day that your sins, as a nation, is going to be forgiven. So you have the goat set aside, and now the high priest has the goat, has, the, has his head in between his two hands, and what he, he is citing all the wrongs that the nation has done, and all the rebellion that the nation has done. And when, after he has done that, what he's to do is that he's to take the goat, and they are to let the goat go, take it into the wilderness, and let the goat go, and take the sins away from the people. And the goat would just wander off, and that was what God told him to do. And it was a symbol. And that, that goat, we say it all the time. You probably didn't even know that this came from this Jewish faith from Yom Kippur. What you're supposed to, that goat is termed called the scapegoat. Anybody ever heard of a scapegoat? That is where it comes from. The goat is the scapegoat. Everything, all the wrongs are placed upon him and it causes us to escape all our wrongs. It is called the scapegoat. And that's where it comes from. So if you've ever been a scapegoat for your brothers and sisters, you're like, I'll take the fall. I'll take the blame. I'll be the scapegoat. They're like, thank you. And you're like, I did it. Like, you've ever done that before with your friends? Well, that is where that term comes from, from the Day of Atonement, the scapegoat. Now, that being done, sacrificing the lamb or sacrificing the goat and having the scapegoat done. After that's done, the high priest is now allowed to go into the most holy of holies. I don't know if you ever heard that term, but the most holy of holies was the inside place of the tabernacle or inside the temple. Once the temple was built, Solomon's temple. But the most holy of holies, this place where God, the God's presence actually dwelled on earth. If God was going to dwell anywhere, it needed to be perfect because God is perfect. So he dwelled in this one little spot, and they're only to come on this one day, the Day of Atonement, after they have taken care of the sins of the people. Now the, the priest, the high priest, can go in the presence of God and make the sacrifices that the people have brought to God. That was his one main job and role. And if that high priest was not in right standing with God, if he did not do all the things he needed to do to make sure he was clean, that he was presentable to God, he would die. Like, as soon as he stepped into that presence of God, die. And they would tie a rope around his leg. And so if he died there, they're like, I ain't going there to go get him. They just drag him out. They're like, if he died, I sure enough will die. We know I'm not going in there. So literally, they would draw, tie a rope around his leg. And if the high priest was not who he's supposed to be in the presence of God, just the presence of God would kill him. Because God cannot have sin come into his life. God cannot have sin come into his presence. It has to be dealt with. So the high priest, if he, you know, he had bells on, they had bells on, and they didn't hear the bells going on anymore, they're like, rope ain't moving no more. What happened? They would drag that bad boy out. 
But that was the, what the high priest would do for us, for the nation of Israel. And that is in the same way who Jesus is for us. Jesus has fulfilled that role for us. He has made the atonement. He has made the provisions. He is our sin that's taken away that no sacrifice could ever pay, that no scapegoat could ever do. More on that in the film Yamas. I'm getting pumped up. But Jesus is that fulfillment for us, being the high priest and being the sacrifice for us. So not only is Jesus the high priest, but he's the great high priest, as the verse says in 14. But also in verse 14, it says that Jesus ascended into heaven. Jesus ascended into heaven. Why is that significant? Well, this refers that Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Cannot wait for Easter where we get to celebrate that. And we find this ascension story in Acts chapter one, not going to be on your screen. Encourage you to read it if you have not read Acts chapter one. But it's Jesus last words before a, over 200 people who saw him ascended to heaven. He is alive. And this parallels between the high priest and the holies of holies. See, the idea that Jesus left our sight and went into the presence of God is the same thing that the high priest would do. He would leave our sight and he would go in the presence of God. It is the same parallel who Jesus is for us. This is unique because only Jesus could do that on the behalf of us. And that's the fact that not only is Jesus the high priest, the great high priest. Not only is Jesus ascended into heaven, but Jesus is God's son. Jesus is the son of God. It says that right there in verse 14, that Jesus is the son of God. So just as we need to make sure this is important, just as Shep did last week, he did an awesome job. If you not watch that sermon that Jesus is misunderstood, what an awesome sermon. So to make sure there's no misunderstanding, the author of, of Hebrews put it in there, like stated clearly that the great high priest who is Jesus is the son of God. Like can't get around it, believe it or not, but it is the fact. We, and it had to be God's son for who Jesus was for us and what he was going to do for us. It required that God himself be the one to be the high priest and to be the sacrifice for us. So who is our high priest? It is no question. It is Jesus who is God's son. The fourth thing. So not only is he the great high priest, not only that he ascends to heaven, and not only is he God's son, but it says in verse 15 that Jesus sympathizes or empathizes with our weakness. Verse 15 tells that, that our high priest, Jesus, can identify with us. You ever think about that? That Jesus can actually identify with us and who we are? Like, Jesus sympathizes and empathizes with our own weakness. Verse 15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or empathize, depending on your translation, with our own weakness. See, since Jesus became human and he left his full deity of him being God in heaven and came, the word became flesh, as it says in John chapter 1, verse 12, Jesus became that flesh for us. So he fully entered into participating with us and living with us. And he knows what it means to be human. He knows what it means. He understands what it means and sympathizes what it means to be weak. What do you mean Jesus weak? Jesus knows what it means to stump, your, stump his toe. Like, you ever think Jesus stumped his toe? Like, he understands pain. 
He understands what it means to be hungry. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got thirsty. Jesus got tired. Jesus got dirty and wanted to get clean. He understands. You ever know that time when you feel like dirty? Like, I just, oh, I just can't wait to get clean. Jesus did the same thing. Like, Jesus had joy. Jesus had times where he was happy. Jesus had times where he was sad. Jesus had times where he had his friends betray him. Jesus had times where he felt like alone. Jesus had times where he was frustrated with his own purpose. You ever been there? God has you on a purpose and you're frustrated with that purpose? Jesus, same thing. He knows. He empathizes and sympathizes with us. He understands. See, Jesus said in his own words, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He asked his boys, the 12 disciples, I need you to pray for me because my spirit is willing, but the flesh is so weak. He understands what you go through. Jesus also said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, I know that you have burden. I know that you have worry. I understand what it is to be human. And this is one of the main reasons that I'm convinced that we can and need to cling and high priest and he is sent into heaven. He is God's son. And not only is he sympathizes and empathizes with our weakness, but Jesus himself was tempted in every way. Jesus was tempted in every way. Not does our high priest understand our weakness, but he understands our temptations. He understands how we can get caught up in sin, even though he has never sinned. He can understand it because Jesus was tempted. Now, we don't think about it this way. Like, really, let's think, like, do you ever think and imagine Jesus being somebody who had to, like, battle with temptation? You're like, nah, he was Jesus. No, Jesus was like, Jesus was like Neo in the Matrix with, with, the, with the ages. Like, he was like, blah, 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 blah. Like, they were all trying to fight him. He's like, nah, temptation, y'all get out of here. Like, he's like, get out of Like, that's how we count. That's how I see Jesus. Like, he didn't let us understand that Jesus not only was tempted every way, but Satan poured on the temptation. Like, we think about Jesus going into the, the wilderness for 40 days, and we know he was tempted, like, like no other. At the end of 40 days, Satan's like, now he is at his weakest moment. He's hungry. He's tired. I got him. I can give him the, 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 the most temptation I can ever give him. And Jesus had to go through that. And we're like, but Jesus hadn't, hadn't deal with, 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 with social media. Jesus had to deal with like exes, like having this ex relationship and that, that relationship. Jesus never had attempted. Like, are you kidding me? You don't think people were throwing themselves at Jesus? You don't think women were like, I need to get me some of Jesus. Because <laughs> have you seen what he does? He turns water into wine. Like, I need, I need to do like that in my life. You don't think that people were trying to get at him and like Jesus was, he had to work at it, church. He had to work at it. At not falling into temptation. Why did he ask us and tell us to pray in Matthew chapter 6? Why does he say, lead us not into temptation? Jesus is like, I don't, I don't need any more temptation. Why do you think he got up early every morning and went to pray? Just because he was Jesus? No. Because people are at him all the time. Why do you think he studied the books of the Bible? He studied the Torah and he knew the scripture. Because he knew temptation was coming his way. He is fully man. He's not opposed. He's not that he doesn't have to deal with it. 
He just never fell for it. He always said the father's will. I know this flesh is weak, but I will, I will know father's business about my father's will and not my own. But he understands it. That is why we can draw near to him. That is why we know that we have a high priest who understands us fully. He says, not my will be done, your will be done. So not as all other things, those five things, again, I'll go through them again. That not as he's our high priest, he's our great high priest who's ascended into heaven. And not only is he ascended into heaven, he's the son of God. He understands and sympathizes with our weakness and that Jesus himself was tempted in every way that you can think of, possibly think of. He was tempted to the fullest. Satan wanted him to fail. But Jesus was without sin, says verse 15. Jesus was without sin, though he was probably the most exhausted man and being the most exhausted man that you ever could be. I know I'm susceptible to fall to sin when I am tired, when my spirit is tired, when my body is tired, when I'm exhausted mentally. Temptation seems to be easy just to give into. Jesus was the most exhausted person. All, like He would try to get away and people would... He would go to the other side of the lake and he'd get there. People would show up like, come on, y'all. I'm trying to like, y'all keep like y'all draining me. Really? I just I just need some time alone. They're like, Jesus, feed us. And he's like, I fed you yesterday. Like he just tired. Yeah, he did not sin. He never sinned. This is what always blows my mind about Jesus. You will never find in the Bible that Jesus complained ever. Like I complained this morning. Actually, I was like, it's cold outside. Like, I can't, I'm just complaining. Jesus is like, no complaints. Like, thank you, God, for the cold. Like, Jesus never complained. It's amazing to me. These last two points that I just talked about the temptation and Jesus sympathizing and empathizing with our weakness is the one that separates us. Though he was tempted, he did not sin. You and I, we cannot claim that. We have given in to temptation. And not only have we given in to temptation, we have rebelled against God on purpose. Yet Jesus resisted the temptation. He lived a sinless life. Second Corinthians 5.21 says this, And God made him who knew, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Oh, I, I just love Isaiah 53, where Jesus, where Jesus says that he, he who no, knew no sin took on sin for us. No, for no reason, not for, not for his own sake, but for our sake. The man who knew no sin had sin poured upon him for our benefit. That's love. And that is the kind of priest we have. So those six descriptors are, are the portrait of who Jesus is as our priest. He is our great and high priest. He is ascended into heaven. He is the son of God. He sympathizes, empathizes with our weakness. He was tempted like no other, yet he was without sin. Thank you, Jesus. And because of who Jesus is and the role that he fulfilled as the high priest, he changed everything. Like everything had been changed from Jesus on forward change. The old system is gone. That goat that's now that escaped, that scapegoat no longer needed. That symbol is just a symbol. Jesus, even though it's a powerful symbol, yes, is merely just a symbol. Jesus was the real thing. He is the real thing. Up until that point, death 
had a place, but now it no longer has a sting. All the sacrifices that were made were just a mere covering of sin, just temporary. And Jesus says, I take sin away from as far as the east is from the west. You are being forgiving. No more covering, no more blanket. I take it and remove it. Thank you, Jesus, for being a high priest. He changed it all forever because Jesus was sinless and because he offered himself as a sacrifice and he was the one to present the sacrifice at the same time. He's the high priest and he's the high sacrifice. Oh, we get to celebrate that on Easter and we get to be reminded of that on Good Friday and we get to understand the torture what he went through, the agony of sin poured on to him, starting to be poured on to him in the Garden of Gethsemane on Monday, Thursday. But we also celebrate next Sunday the, the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. What a week we get to celebrate next week. Jesus opened up a way for us. So what does this mean to us, church, as we come to a close? What does that mean? These six things, these verses, and Jesus being a high priest, what should that mean to us? You're like, good job, Diane. Well, good job. Broke that down. So what does that mean? These verses are telling you that there's two consequences for us having Jesus to be a great high priest. And look, consequences are not negative. I tell you this to my kids all the time. Consequences are good consequences and they're bad consequences. Usually we end up talking about the bad ones. Y'all know, y'all, your parents, you end up saying like, well, there's a consequence to every, everything. There's consequences that we get from this. The two things that we should do. The number one is let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Oh, if we can hold on to the faith that we profess because of who Jesus is. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what it means to hold firmly to, to hold fast to? A couple sermons ago, or now a couple months ago, I had talked about that in one of my sermons, to hold fast to. It is showing up here again in Hebrews. The author of Hebrews is using that same, same analogy, to hold fast to, to hold firmly to faith. It means to cling to. It means to grasp tightly to. It means to not let go. It means to hold on for dear life. And I could think of no other way to really illustrate this point than this video that I've seen. If you have not seen this video, it is one that's going to send your, at least sends my heart racing, where I'll give you a little what's happening. A guy is on vacation and with his wife and he's decided to go hang gliding. And in the midst of going hang gliding with the instructor, the instructor forgets to clip him into the hang glider. I set up the video, watch this and think about hold it on for dear life. Holding on for dear life. I, 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 that's not the full video. My man held on for over two, mi two minutes. Just hold on. And there's one part in the video where he is holding on by one hand. Like he tries to change grips and he literally, literally hanging on one hand. 
And he's not like some athletic dude. He's not like the next Ninja Warrior, like the American Ninja Warrior. Like, he's not. He is like your average day, like, dad bod kind of dude. Like, he's, he's not the dude just lifting, like, climbing rocks for, for fun. Yeah, he's holding on for dear life. Now, he did not die. Like, we, I did not show all the, the whole clip. He did not die. He did. They end up having, not a crash landing, but he ended up landing into the grass, and he ended up, did break some bones. He had surgery, but he lived to tell the story. That is the, the example of holding on for dear life. Church, if we can hold on to the faith that we profess, like hold on to it, it will change our lives. And we would really believe that what everything God says is who he says he is and every promise that he promised us, we will hold fast to it. Anytime life starts to happen, like I have this high priest who I hold fast to. All my faith is in him because he is the go between between me and God. Therefore, if he's fulfilled every promise, I hold fast to it. I hold on to it for dear life. Let us be a person, let us be a family, let us be a church that holds on to our faith in Christ for dear life. Because in that, that is the antidote. The antidote to what? The antidote to doubt. It's the antidote to fear. To hold firmly to the faith. To, to be able to hold on to those times that God has shown up in the past. Where he showed up and showed out for you or somebody else. He said, if God has done it before, he could do it again. If God has done it for so-and-so, then he could do it for me. And I'm holding on to that. I'm holding fast to it. I'm not saying that you should just have this, this pie in the sky kind of way and you don't have to worry, not worry about life. You don't have to live life. No, you need to live life and live it to its fullest. But don't do it without holding on to your faith. Do it without worry. Do it without anxiety and say, God is good. And I will walk in him and knowing that he is faithful and he is real and he is alive and he loves me. Hold on to it, church. Hold on to your faith. Cling to it for dear life. Not only should we hold on to the faith that we profess, but lastly, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. See, prior to Jesus, the people needed a go-between. Prior to Jesus, we needed a priest to go between them and God. Well, now Jesus has removed that. Jesus has removed the go-between. See, Jesus has removed the barrier. It's no longer this extra step. We now can go into God in the form of Jesus as being our high priest. He is now the only priest, the only go-between we will ever need for now and forever. Each one of us have this ability, and now we are welcome into bringing our own offering and bringing our own worship straight to God. You were not allowed to do that before. You could not just bring your offering. You needed a go-between, but because of who Jesus is and the fulfillment of scripture, we no longer need a go-between. We can worship God anywhere we want. We can bring our offering to him in joy and know that God is a loving God and not this God that is, that is rejecting us. We can know God personally now. You can have a relationship with them. You don't need me. You don't need any of the worship team. You don't need your small group leader. You don't need a youth leader. You don't need your mom and dad. You don't need your brothers and sisters. You don't need another scholar. You don't need a fancy education. All you need is to know that Jesus is your go-between. You don't need distance. All you need is Jesus. For he is your priest. And now you can go directly to the Father. As I mentioned earlier, the high priest could only go into the holies of holies once a year. And there's this huge curtain that separated the holy of holies from everyone else. From the rest of the place, 
And the first three Gospels report that Jesus, upon his death on the cross, that curtain was miraculously torn. There's no longer a barrier that separates the living God from you. Because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did, this is a powerful symbol that day, which demonstrates that Jesus has gone ahead of us as our great and high priest. We no, no longer need intervention from anyone else. You can go directly to the Father. And in that holy of holies place, you can go to the throne of God. And that throne is called the throne of what? The throne of grace, church. How many of you are in need of grace? How many of you need a grace? And in that throne, when would you get there? What should you expect? What do you think you're going to find? You should not expect judgment and you should not expect punishment. What you should expect is you should expect mercy. You should expect his grace. You think you're going to get this holy fire. You think you're going to expect this righteous anger. You think you should expect this reaction that we frankly deserve from God the Father. But he says, no, no, no. You come to the throne room of God because the great high priest Jesus. Now you get to have mercy. Anybody need mercy in their life? Now you get to have grace. Anybody need some grace? And not only need to do that, you don't have to do it sheepishly and coming, bowing down. You can come confidently into the throne room of grace because of Jesus being your great and high priest. That is what the verse says. Now that we have Jesus as our great high priest, who can identify with and sympathize with us, we no longer have this blockade that separates us from God the Father. We can receive fully his grace and mercy. In church, there's nothing that you have done to deserve it. And there's nothing that you can undo to gain it. You're not beyond God's reach. You're not beyond God's mercy. You're not beyond God's grace. Church, this morning, as you come to understand why we need Jesus to be our high priest, I urge you to not hold back any longer. I urge you to let go of the things of the past. I urge you to give your worry or anxiety to God. I urge you to take upon Jesus' yoke and find out that his burden is light and let Jesus be the high priest so you can walk confidently into the throne room of God. We will meet, he will meet us every single time because that is what a priest does for his people. Let us pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for being a high priest. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we're able to look back into the Jewish faith, who is the foundation of our Christian faith that is built upon and say, man, God, you established this priesthood that will be the go-between the people and God to make the wrongs of the people right. God, I thank you for that system in that, but I thank you that Jesus is the completer and the finisher to that for us, that we no longer have to doubt in the promises. We no longer have to live in fear. We no longer have to bring sacrifices to be a, a burnt. We no longer have to bring animals. And God, we just, you just ask us to bring our best and to bring it with joy because Jesus is our go-between. And God, wherever we are falling short in that, wherever we're not having Jesus come in and rule in our life, will you show us Holy Spirit, come and bring conviction. Say, let the high priest in the area of life. Where in your life do you need Jesus to come and be the high priest? Holy Spirit, move. 
And not just in this moment, but continually. Move in marriages, move in health, move in parenting, move in relationships with kids to their parents, move in relationships with us in society. Lord, move in us and say, let me be the high priest in every area of your life. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time and the worship we're able to do and give. And guys, we can continue to worship you and, and our tithes and offering. Let it be a fragrant offering to you as we prepare our minds and hearts to give our best to you in any way you've called us to. God, we thank you for being that fulfillment of scripture and being the priest for us. We give this time to you. It's all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Awesome, awesome. This is your opportunity to give uh, to not to the church, but through the church. It's an extension of your worship. And so since we're not here in person, there's a few of us here in person that make the service run. We have ways that you can give online. So made it very simple for you to do it. One way you can do it through text message. So if you are a member of First Christian or you call First Christian your home or Bowie City Church your home, we have a way for you to do that. Very simple way. So you continue to give as God's called you to give. So you are a member or you call First Christian your home church. The number you will text to is 301-970-3646. And you text the word give. Instructions will be given to you, sent to you how you can give via through the internet text message or and same thing for Bowie City Church. If you call Bowie City Church or church home or you're you're a member at Bowie City Church, you can text at 301-970-4565 and know that 30 percent of what you give uh, for us here at Bowie City Church goes to help missions local and to other parts of the world. I was able to talk to one of our missionaries, Dylan uh, Bateman and his and his wife, and they are preparing to go. COVID is lifting in their area, so they're looking to go back uh, towards the summer. So know that because you give, gospel is going forward. So those are opportunities to give via text message. You also go to the church websites. Both church websites have ways you can give there as well. You can give to missionaries at Bowie City Church. You can do the same thing at First Christian, or you can do old school snail mail. Like you can just mail in your check if you want that uh, to happen in the church PO boxes or the mailing address at the bottom of each website. So again, it's an opportunity for you to give. You don't give to me. You don't give to any of this. You're giving the way God's called you to give. So make sure you do that if you feel led and do it joyfully and knowing that you're going to bless and further the kingdom and the work God has for us to do as a church. Um, so that's awesome. As we close and wrap up the service again, we are looking forward to coming in person. I mean, 
I would love to say pack this place out, but don't do that because then we'll get shut down and that would be bad. But if you are planning to come and you're feeling comfortable to come, one, you will have to wear a mask the whole time. You cannot get around that. That is what uh, our county executive has said for us. But we could be at 50 percent. And so that's roughly 70, 80 people. Jason, I'm right. Yes. And we can do overflow. Right, Jason? Yes. Uh, so we want to know if you're coming. So we would love to have as many people who are comfortable coming. Uh, up to 100 or so to, to do that. That would be great. Let us know. Email us at hello at bowiecitychurch.com and we will get a rough number for that. I'm excited, excited. We'll have more live worship. Uh, give it up for the worship team because we it was, it was, you know, knocked off the rust and get up here and do this and we're fixing the sound stuff and the technical people. If you have any skills and abilities to sing or play an instrument or push a button and you know the right buttons to push and what cable to hook up, like, let us know. Hello at Bowie City Church. I would love to sing. I would love to be part of the tech team. God bless you. Yes, we would that. If you want to work with children, we want to start our children's ministry because that will start to happen. We want to get a couple weeks. If you want to, hey, I would love to minister to the, the families who have young kids. Please let us know. We don't want to just lean on the, what we've done in the past. There may be new volunteers say, I'm going to give in that way. Uh, so let us know. Hello at Bowie City Church if you want to volunteer or if you're planning to come next Sunday. Be blessed. We're bringing the message next week. It won't be my turn. It will be Pastor Jason's turn, who's going to be talking about uh, Jesus, the triumphal entry, and who Jesus is as we look to Palm Sunday. So don't miss that Sunday. Uh, live in person, he gets to have it, man. That's great. He's going to be pumped up. Y'all aren't going to miss that. And live worship. We will see you here. For those who want to be here, 10 is when church starts here. Don't be late. We will start without you. Like, we do not wait. We start on time, 10, 15. Be here uh, for those who can come in person and you still be able to watch online, same format, same way, um, via Facebook or YouTube. Be blessed. Let Jesus be your priest. Take him with you. Don't let's leave it here on this message. Take him with you wherever you go. If you need anything from us, just reach out. God bless. And we'll see you next week, either in person or online.